Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of Blatant Homers and Podcasts, part of Crimson Cream Machine on the SB Nation network of podcasts. You uh, might have missed it, but yeah, yesterday was actually National Signing Day. Not much action, especially for OU. Most uh, developments were expected. But uh, I've got, I have brought on Josh McQuiston of Soonerscoop.com. We bring him on all the time to talk about recruiting. Uh, he's going to fill us in maybe on whatever little action there was yesterday, as well as help us maybe uh, look forward to the future and also talk some about uh, OU's two new uh, hires on the uh, uh, assistant coaching staff. So let's go ahead and welcome him on. Josh, how you doing, bud? I'm doing really well, Alan. You know, just uh, like you said, kind of a very strange signing day for me. I mean, I've done this long enough to the the new signing day is unusual to me still. I have not adapted. And it's, I mean, December is now signing day. And this is just kind of a, February is kind of picking up the pieces. Exactly. Uh, you know, Oklahoma was uh, looking to fill in, I think, on a few different places, but most of everything they uh, were hoping to accomplish, I think, was done back in December. Uh, but the Sooners did ink uh, Reggie Grimes yesterday, as well as Josh uh, Joshua Eaton, uh, defensive back. So, I mean, I think everybody knew that Grimes had actually, uh, well, I mean, I think it was, became common knowledge that Grimes had actually uh, pledged with OU, you know, back in December, right? Yeah, you know, and that that's the thing when you said that, I said, well, you know, I don't know how, it's tough, because you don't want to be tough on the kids, like you understand, and I, and I did my part, I kind of played the fool for the better part of a month, I, but I mean, I guess over a month, but both of those guys signed back in December. So did Chandler Morris, who announced at the Under Armour game. Um, I, I think there has just been kind of – you're going to get a couple of these every year. I mean, going back to Nick Benito, uh, Jaden Hazelwood in the last class. I mean, there are a, there's a guy or two like this every year. And frankly, from OU's perspective, I get it. Why would you care? Sure, sign your letter of intent. And we won't send out anything until February. Like what, what difference does it make for Oklahoma to kind of sit on that information for a couple of months? And if they wouldn't have sat on that information, Oklahoma would have had absolutely nothing going on on their social media day on a day that I think a lot of media types that don't really follow recruiting, they still think February is a big day. And that, you know, like I was saying in the lead in, that's just not the case anymore. Right. You know, I mean, I saw yesterday, I was actually just flipping around channels, uh, flipping past ESPNU. They had a national signing day special on it. I'm thinking like, what, what's the point? <laughs> like, you know, you're gonna talk about like three or four guys total. Yeah. I mean, I would guess, you know, I didn't watch any of it. I, I would guess that they spent the good part of their broadcast going over the situation with Zach Evans, which is about the only really interesting story still left. 
Right, right. And uh, for those of you who don't follow this so closely, Zach Evans is a uh, highly touted running back, uh, you know, coming out of Texas, who uh, is uh, just in the middle of some uh, drama. It doesn't really concern OU, so we'll uh, we'll go ahead and move on from there. But you know, we didn't really get to talk. I, I can't remember if we talked about Grimes last time we uh, did one of these or not. Uh, but you know, give us the the kind of inside scoop on on uh, what kind of player you think he's going to be for the Sooners. Sure. Well, you know, even if we did, I didn't have a chance to talk uh, to see him at that point in time. I hadn't watched him, and getting that opportunity down in Florida at the Under Armour game, uh, down the practice that I went to, he is a guy that you know I've said it a lot before. His athleticism is at a level that Oklahoma hasn't signed many of those guys. I mean, you're talking about the the Aguebus, the um, you know m- maybe. Maybe Marcus Stripling you could put into that conversation is just an athlete on the edge. That's what Reggie Grimes brings. And I know people say, well, those guys, you know, they started a, you know, a game or two here, and, you know, Stripling was kind of a bit player. Those guys are going to be very good players. Give it time. Grimes is that same way. He's going to need some time. I think he's a guy that's got to learn that he is a defensive end. He's going to have to get comfortable with that idea. He's going to have to get more physical. But when you talk about a guy that's 6'5", 240, and is a legitimate 200-meter you know, threat in the state of Tennessee as a high school freshman, you don't have to say a lot more than that. I mean, he is a high-end athlete with great length. And for Oklahoma to go in and get him out of the southeast, those are the kind of pieces you have to start landing. And now Oklahoma has to do it more than once a year. But these are the guys you start building – to start catching up in these playoff games that Oklahoma fans are so tired of seeing go the wrong way. Right. Absolutely. And he's from uh, Tennessee. You know, this is the second year in a row. The Sooners have landed a, uh, you know, number one player out of that state. Is there something in particular they're doing with Tennessee or is that just kind of the way the chips are falling? I, you know, I always say, you know, cause and Alan, you and I've talked about it on the pod before, like there are situations where, People say, oh, you got to recruit Texas. You got to recruit California. Go to a state that has talent and where the in-state team is not a dominant force, either either it's on the field, whether it's in recruiting. Tennessee is having – it's on probably 15 years of troubling football right now. There is an opportunity to go in there and land players. Now – I, you know, I, I could hear if a Tennessee fan heard this. I don't know how involved they were with Reggie Grimes. I don't think that that was something they really pushed toward. But at the same time, those are places you can go in and win games. And that's where I think Oklahoma's done a great job with some of these guys. The Woody Washingtons, the Reggie Grimes, uh, David Aguebu being another good example. Uh, Marcus Stripling being a near perfect one where you get these guys that are high-end talents that for one reason or another, whether, you know, another school kind of fell out, like in Reggie Grimes's case, everybody had him going to Alabama where his father played. Alabama kind of walked away. And Oklahoma was just kind of left there to say, hey, you know, you'd be ideal for us. That can work. So, like I said, I think it's just a situation where Oklahoma has done a good job kind of staying in races when – you know, maybe people said, oh, you should give up on that. You should walk away. And they kind of hung around and ended up kind of having some guys. And I don't want to say fall in their lap because they did the legwork, but just guys that were opportunities that were, were hard to foresee early in their players recruitment. Right, right. Um, 
the quarterback Chandler Morris, uh, you know, he's going to have some uh, tough competition getting on the field, obviously with Spencer Rattler, you know, in terms of right away. What about down the line for the Sooners? I like Chandler Morris, and I certainly understand, you know, Rivals has him as a low three-star. I know some others have him higher. I understand the trepidation. He is a guy that is, I mean, 5'10", is, that's not something where, I mean, he is legitimately about 5'10". He is not a big guy. He's not as big in frame as Baker Mayfield. I mean, Baker, people always kind of make him out to be this little guy. Baker's a broad guy. Like, he's not a little bitty, you know, he just wasn't very tall. Chandler is just a smaller framed guy. He is. But when you go watch that kid play, all he does is make plays. His timing is good. He has a good feel for an offense. I mean, he is, you know, and I hate to always fall the stereotype with him, but he's a coach's kid. I mean, he, he, <laughs> it makes sense that he is who he is because he is just one of those guys that kind of has that uncanny knack. His production you know, it goes beyond his talent. So, like I said, I don't think he's a guy that can come in and challenge Spencer Rattler from day one. Now, knowing Chandler a little bit, I guarantee you that's exactly what Chandler expects to do. He is a confident kid that feels he can go play with anybody. He won't, he won't shy away from that competition at all. But at the same time, he's a smart kid to have in your film room. You give him a couple years, you know, whenever, you know, I think we all assume Rattler heads off to the NFL and makes a lot of money then maybe Chandler Morris is that heir apparent that maybe not everybody saw coming, but is more than capable of running Lincoln Riley's offense. Right. And for those of you, again, who uh, don't follow this all that closely, uh, Morris's dad is Chad Morris. He's, you know, the offensive guru who was uh, Clemson for a while, then coached at SMU and uh, had a, an unsuccessful run there at Arkansas. Now he's at Auburn. But, uh, you know, he, uh, Chandler did not apparently want to follow his dad to wherever uh, his dad ended up. So he wanted to come uh, come on board the Sooners. So uh, but all the better for OU, I guess. Um Last guy I talked about, Joshua Eaton. Give us a little bit of uh, an idea of what kind of player OU's getting here. Does he fit what uh, you know Alex Grinch is once in those defensive backs? You know, when you talk about the things that Grinch is looking for, he's talking about speed and he's talking about length. Josh Eaton is a, I mean, is a legitimate six foot two corner. He is that. That's not a inflated number. He is a big, tall guy. I've, I've, I've been in his presence before. I'm about six foot one and he is clearly taller than I am. So, I mean, this is a big, long guy whose arms, I would guess are in the six, 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 seven range. I mean, he has just tremendous length. Now he's raw. He's a guy that doesn't come from one of these, you know, Katie's or North shores. I mean, he comes from a program that's a little, little raw. So he's going to need some work some time to develop, but at the same time, I see a lot of raw tools there. And I think Oklahoma stuck with him and maybe Texas and A&M and some others kind of backed away. And I, I, I get why they did what they did, but for Oklahoma, it's a worthwhile risk. He is a guy with a tremendous upside. And I think if he will buy in, do the things he needs to do and put on some weight, I think he's one of those guys you could look back on three or four years and say, that was one of the guys that really, start help you know i started to help turn this defense around right right excellent excellent well let's talk a little bit about uh the new coaches that uh the sooners have hired here assistants um you know i was kind of asked to do like a a grade uh, evaluation of the two of them you know demarco murray obviously he's one that uh sooner fans are uh you know very well uh, familiar with 
uh, coaching running backs. And then uh, Jamar Kane hired away from uh, Arizona State um, to come over and coach the outside linebackers, replacing Ruffin McNeil. I gave uh, DeMarco Murray a B minus, and I gave uh, you know Kane an A minus. And with Murray, it's not so much uh, that you know I, I think he's a bad coach or anything. The problem is I really don't know enough about him as a coach. So maybe we start there. Uh, you, you know, your kind of thoughts on on the hire and and what he brings to the table as a recruiter. Sure. You know, and, and that's the thing. A lot, I, I've made some people mad because I'm not gung ho enough about DeMarco Murray for some. And it's not that I don't think he, I, like I, it's kind of like what I was saying with Reggie Grimes. I can see the potential. It's there. He, he could be a game changing recruiter. And as a running backs coach, I don't you know, I, I think people like, oh, you've got to, you know, every coach has to be this. Guy. No, like as a running backs coach, I want a recruiter. I want a guy that is going to go land me the elite talents, because when you look from year to year, the guys that are the high draft pick running backs are usually the same guys that were highly recruited running backs. Like there's a lot of transition that carries over from year to year because running back is something that I think you're born with. Like you, you can run fast, you're big, you're strong, you have good eyes or instincts or whatever it's going to be. I don't think you teach someone to be a great running back very often. There are exceptions. I will totally acknowledge, but by and large, if you're a great running back, you're a great running back. And so to be able to go recruit those elite guys, that's that's where you want to start, in my opinion. And DeMarco Murray, with his track record, his NFL background, it makes all the sense in the world. And I know, you know, our guy Kerry talked to Kevin Sumlin when that news broke, and Sumlin couldn't have spoken high, more highly of DeMarco as a recruiter, as the kind of mind he has for football. So it kind of goes against what I was just saying. I mean, like, he maybe he can do it all. But there is reason to believe there's just no track record. Like, mm -hmm. it's just, you know, you've got to show me. But based on, you know, like, when you look at a coach and say, okay, this hire can work, this hire could be a home run. It's just we've got to see it actually happen. Right. You know, I look at it when it comes a lot of times to uh, great players becoming coaches. I, it's kind of like when you watch, uh, if you ever watch Inside the NBA on TNT and they're asking, you know, Shaq, well, what is so-and-so, you know, what's, um, you know, uh, you know, a big man got to do in the second half? And Shaq just says something like, well, he's just, you just got to go out there and dominate. Like, you know, I mean, it's kind of like these, you know, a great coach has so much, or, or pardon me, a great player has so much ability, you know, that it doesn't necessarily work for them to be able to try to translate what it was that that, that worked for them to uh, a player, if that makes sense. You know, it, it's it's hard to teach how to have an arm like uh, Patrick Mahomes or something like that. Um, oh, so, you know. it, it's, it's, yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, the one I always fall back to is Ted Williams is probably the greatest hitter that ever lived, and there was always talk of how much he struggled to relate it because he wanted people to see things the way he did. Well, that's why he was special because other people can't see it the way he did. Right. And so like yeah. I said, that's why it, it's, it's tough sometimes for these guys, like I said, and you know, even for, you know, people say, well, that, that's teaching. Well, even as a recruiter, 99% of the running backs that DeMarco Murray walks into a room with are not going to be the player that DeMarco Murray was. And DeMarco Murray is going to know it, but you still are going to have to say, you know, like we need you in Oklahoma. You're going to be the guy, that kind of thing. You've got to humble yourself a little bit. And that's hard for a guy that's done it at the very highest levels sometimes to do. Right. Uh, talking with, with running back prospects, I mean, 
is the is you know the name DeMarco Murray is that I mean is that really going to resonate with them when it comes to you know just getting your foot in the door? I had at least the Oklahoma's got really four guys I would say they're already focused on in 2021. Two of them now two of them got back to me when I asked them questions. Two of them came to me unsolicited. They they were like, "Well, let me you know, I, I want to, is this real? Is this happening? Yeah, this is real, man. That's amazing. Blah, blah, blah. So yeah, his name definitely resonates. And what's interesting is he played for the Dallas Cowboys and he played for the Philadelphia Eagles. Those were his two primary kind. And, and you know, in the Tennessee mm-hmm. Titans, he had a nice year there at the end. So, but you look at where Oklahoma's primary backs are Houston, Dallas, uh, another one in the Virginia area. Mm-hmm. So like Oklahoma kind of is fortunate because it's not like, they're California kids that sort of remember DeMarco Murray. These are guys that, you know, may have grown up fans of these teams. Yeah. So it's, it, it really works out nicely for Oklahoma that they are in on some of the guys. Another one from North Carolina. Um, so, I mean, you, you've got guys in these surrounding areas that I think can resonate. And once DeMarco Murray goes out and lands one or two guys, then it becomes, well, DeMarco Murray is one of the best running back recruiters in the country. And then it just builds on itself. And then, it, you know, the, the, whether it's whether the next group commits because of the myth or the reality, either way, they're in the both. Yeah. Now looking at the other side, uh, Jamar Kane, I mentioned, I gave him an A minus that, that higher an A minus. I was, uh, this is one that I, I think was really excited. I'm really excited about, you know, I mean, he's a guy who's learned, uh, you know, kind of at the hand of, uh, some really, really good coaches, you know, and he's grind. He's been a grinder for a long time. Uh, good reputation on the recruiting trail. Uh, g- give me your assessment of, uh, of Kane. Well, and I won't pretend when the, even when he, like when I first heard it, I was like, are they sure they don't have the wrong guy? Cause I had an internal Perk Pierce in my sites. Like that was the guy from the Arizona yeah. state staff uh-huh. that I thought made a lot of sense. And I, you know, it still does, but Jamar came, the more you look at it, you're like, yeah, that's nice. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, this is a guy that went into California and landed multiple four stars last year in his first year, uh, maybe his second year. I'm trying to remember, but I mean, he is not, he doesn't have a lot of tenure in Tempe and went in and recruited a really nice class. And you have to think as he steps up, to a bigger program, better things to sell. And you consider the track record Oklahoma has in some of the areas he's recruited well in the South Southern California and Northern California areas. Maybe you start to see Oklahoma starting to get some momentum going in California, where I think they'd really stagnated over the last two or three years. Right. I think that this gives them uh, definitely kind of a, a jolt there, but can you explain how that necessarily works? I mean, you know, He's coaching, Kane's coaching offenses, or pardon me, outside linebackers. Let's say that there's a wide receiver in San Diego that Oklahoma likes. I mean, how much involvement does, does Jamar Kane have there? Well, th- that's where you're going to get into. And, you know, Oklahoma has changed the way they operate with this a little bit. They do definitely have guys who are in charge of regions or areas or cities, you know, whatever the case may be, just depending on how, you know, like, for example, Houston is split up into several areas because you have different coaches with different affiliations. And there's just so many high schools in Houston that you can't have one coach cover the whole area with as many, as much talent as there is. Now, on the other hand, Oklahoma might have only one coach that goes into the state of North Carolina because they're just not going to recruit there very often. So they don't have to keep the same level of relationships. So it varies a little bit, but 
when you have something like that, Jamar Cain is going to be your lead guy. You know, if he gets that area, now they'll, they'll have to talk about how that all gets divvied up with two new staff members. There'll be some movement and okay, this guy's comfortable here. We're going to take him there. You'll do some things like that. But in general, Jamar Cain is going to open the relationship, you know, bring him to, you know, in your example, Dennis Simmons or Kale Gundy's attention and kind of start that contact. And then from there, I mean, if the player really loves Jamar Cain, then he'll continue to have a relationship. But generally, he's going to want to hand that off to Dennis Simmons and Kale Gundy and allow himself to go find his outside linebackers and continue mm-hmm. to find more guys in his areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, great. Well, let's t- look ahead, I guess, to 2021. You know, I mean, Oklahoma has a, co- a handful of commits already there, but – um, you know, the big story is clearly what's going on at quarterback, you know, with uh, Brock Vandegrift flipping to uh, Georgia. What uh, What's going to be next for OU, in your opinion? Well, right now, it's full steam ahead with Caleb Williams, the, uh, the five-star. For those that don't know, Brock Vandegrift is the number four player in the country, according to rivals. Caleb Williams is the number five. Uh, and I'm not talking about quarterback. I'm talking about overall player in the country. So, if Oklahoma can lose Brock Vandegrift and find a way to reel Caleb Williams in, you've done okay. I mean, yeah, it's not yeah. like you're suffering some huge precipitous fall here. Not to mention that Oklahoma has done so well in the D.C. area as of late. You have to think landing maybe the most elite recruits to come out of that area in the last three or four years could only see that gain momentum. And you start talking about guys like Monkel Goodwine, and some of the other players in that area that Oklahoma has already offered, you start seeing some some better chances at landing those kind of players. So, like I said, Caleb Williams is big for Oklahoma. He is their only current quarterback offer out there right now, and I think that will be the case until Oklahoma starts to feel like I don't either. They'll have to come to a head of we can't wait anymore, or we don't think we're going to get this guy. So the the longer it goes, you have to think Oklahoma is feeling better and better with all this happened. You know, you for a long time, LSU was the perceived leader. Well, then Joe Brady leaves. Well, that opens the door for Oklahoma that way. Then it was kind of thought, well, okay, what about Clemson? All they're doing, Trevor Lawrence leaves next year. He could walk in and compete for the starting job. Clemson just signed, you know, DJ Udalele, who's, you know, arguably the top quarterback in the country in this class. So there is a lot there that sets up pretty nicely. And, you know, the next thought is maybe Georgia. Well, Georgia's now got Brock Vandegrift. So there's a lot of chips that are working in Oklahoma's favor with Caleb Williams, but obviously it's a, it's a different thing to hope that it goes your way. And it's, and you know, at the same time, you've got to actually close the deal. Right. And it, you know, conventional wisdom with recruiting is that you want your quarterback kind of in the class early. That was part of the big, uh, you know, uh, uh, one of the big deals about landing Brock Vandegrift uh, as a junior. Um, I guess time-wise, like what what do you see as being kind of the timeline for this? I mean, is Oklahoma going to move on if they don't have uh, an answer by a certain period? Or I mean, how do you, how do you see that going? I would guess that by the start of the season, if they don't have an answer, they'll have to move on. Like, and I I don't think it'll run that long. I think Caleb's a smart enough kid; he understands that not all. I mean, because it's not just about him. He realizes that if he, whatever team he jumps with, he can immediately start recruiting and trying to help his class be everything he wants it to be. And he knows he's got enough national recognition that he can help with that. So I I think that is going to be definitely something to keep an eye on. 
I would be surprised if we're still talking about this in the 4th of July. I would guess that at some point between, I don't know, now and probably mid-May, you'll start to see something happening. Like whether it's, whether it's Oklahoma or LSU or Clemson or, you know, somebody else kind of comes along and really impresses him. I think you'll start to see Oklahoma make the move in one direction or another, either landing Caleb Williams or starting to move on to some other guys. And, you know, for those that don't know, we have a story on the front page right now, Soonerscoop.com, breaking this all down. Kind of like Caleb Williams is the front runner. Who were some other guys that that fell through that Oklahoma would take a long look at? Right, and uh, I'll put in my plug here for the guys over there at Sooner Scoop, Josh, Carey, Eddie, Bob. They do such a good job covering the Sooners, covering recruiting and everything. If you're not a subscriber, uh, you should definitely be. Uh, you should definitely rectify that soon enough. Speaking of which, Josh, you guys got any um, like deals or anything like that going on right now? We we have a couple of deals right now. The first one is, uh, and I believe these both end on Thursday night, so I don't know when this will go up. But if you can't get them, contact me. Maybe we can work something out at, at josh at soonerscoop.com. Um, but we have a deal right now where you'll sign up for a monthly and you'll get two free months. So it's basically a three-for-one deal. Um, we also have another where if you sign up for an annual, you will get $50 in, in shopping gear. I believe, I think from our rivals and shop, it may be Adidas here. I'm not entirely sure about that. But again, if you have any questions about it, josh at soonerscoop.com, email me and I can get you all the details. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Josh, I uh, really appreciate you uh, talking. I know it's early uh, where you are out there, but uh, thanks so much for uh, getting on the horn with me today to uh, break down National Sign Day and talk a little bit about what uh, is going to be coming next in recruiting for the Sooners. Oh, Alan, it's it's 930 local, man. I've been up for about four and a half hours. We're, I got two kids under the age of five. So <laughs> yeah, we, we are. We are always running here. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Well, thanks a lot, man. Okay, have a great one, Alan. Thanks to you all for joining us, too. For the Blaine Homerism Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy.